This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to another episode of the Diabetes Knowledge and Practice podcast, bringing you news, views and updates in diabetes care. This series is CME accredited and this episode is accredited for up to 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credits. So to claim your credits, go to diabetes.knowledgeandpractice.com to complete a pre and post activity assessment. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS, who've had no influence on the content or the choice of faculty. This is a publication special episode in which we'll take a close look at a paper and its implications for clinical practice. And today's paper is results from the Sustain Forte trial published in the Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology, entitled Efficacy and Safety of Once-Weekly Semaglutide 2mg versus 1mg in Patients with Type 2 Diabetes, a double-blind, randomised Phase 3b trial. Presenting a summary of these results is lead author Dr. Juan Pablo Frias, who's the Medical Director and Principal Investigator of Velocity Clinical Research, based in Los Angeles, California. His disclosures are available in the episode notes, along with a link to the original publication if you'd like to read the full paper. So firstly, could you provide a brief summary of the main findings of the paper? So the rationale behind the sustained forte trial was that in the phase three clinical trials assessing semaglutide at the previous highest dose of one milligram, although semaglutide is, and has been shown in many trials to be the most potent selective GLP-1 receptor agonist, in these studies, approximately 20 to 30% of participants did not achieve a target hemoglobin A1C of less than 7%. And there had been previously conducted phase two trials, which actually assessed higher doses. And there was a dose-dependent improvement in hemoglobin A1C as well as body weight. So sustained forte, the rationale really was to assess a higher dose, in this case, two milligrams once weekly versus the one milligram dose and to see what effect it would have on efficacy, so hemoglobin A1C, body weight, and also safety and tolerability. So the trial actually was a a randomized control study. It was conducted in multiple sites in multiple countries as well. And the population of patients that were studied, these were adults with type 2 diabetes who were poorly controlled, so a hemoglobin A1C of of over seven, and poorly controlled on metformin with or without a sulfonylurea. And these patients, and I'll go into a little greater detail about specific characteristics, but they were randomized in a one-to-one fashion, either to one milligram or to two milligrams of semaglutide, and they were treated for 40 weeks. It is important to note that they continued their oral agents, so the metformin and the sulfonylurea, once they were randomized, and also that the the 40 weeks of treatment was divided into a 12-week dose escalation period where everyone, irrespective of what dose they were randomized to, were on the same dose of semaglutide. So as per the label, they started on 0.25 milligrams once weekly for four weeks, then escalated to 0.5 milligrams once weekly for four weeks, and then to one milligram once weekly for four weeks. So that takes us through the initial 12 weeks. And then those patients who were randomized to the two milligram dose escalated from one milligram to two milligrams at that point. 
and those randomized to the one milligram dose continued on the one milligram dose for the additional 28 weeks of the study. So a total treatment period of 40 weeks and then a seven week safety follow-up period. If we look sort of more at the characteristics of these patients, they were fairly typical patients with type two diabetes, but with a relatively long duration of diabetes and, and very poor glycemic control. So on average, they were about 58 years of age that had diabetes for anywhere from nine to 10 years on average. And their hemoglobin A1C at baseline on average was 8.9%. And their BMI was 34 to 35 kilograms per meter squared. So fairly poorly controlled and obese patients. And all of them were on metformin and about 54% of the patients. So over half of them were also treated with a sulfonylurea. If we look at the results, the key results at the end of the 40 weeks, there was a significantly greater reduction in hemoglobin A1C and in body weight with the two milligram versus the one milligram dose. Again, with respect to hemoglobin A1C, patients started with an A1C on average of 8.9% and actually very nice reductions in both arms, the one and the two milligram arm, but a 2.2% reduction in A1C in the two milligram arm versus a 1.9% reduction in hemoglobin A1C in the one milligram arm. And I think clinically relevant is the fact that a greater proportion of patients in the two milligram arm achieved a hemoglobin A1C of less than seven and less than or equal to 6.5. So less than seven was 68% in the two milligram versus 58% with a one milligram dose. And likewise with body weight, significantly greater reduction in body weight with the two milligram dose, a 6.9 kilogram reduction versus a six kilogram reduction with the one milligram dose. And important, if you look at the curves in the paper and in the study with respect to weight lowering, at 40 weeks in both of the arms, it looked like the body weight had not yet plateaued, whereas hemoglobin A1C had uh, plateaued by, by the time we finished the 40 week treatment period. And then also with respect to body weight, there was a greater proportion of patients who achieved clinically relevant body weight reduction. So greater proportion of patients achieving body weight reduction of greater than or equal to five and 10% with the two milligram versus the one milligram dose. If we look at safety, I think the key important finding was that the safety and tolerability findings between the one and the two milligram dose really were very comparable. Um, the most common adverse events as would be expected with this class of agent were gastrointestinal in nature. So nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation. But overall, the incidence of GI adverse events was 31% for the one milligram dose and 34% for the two milligram dose. And as with, um, with GLP-1 receptor agonists in previous semaglutide trials, these were primarily mild to moderate in severity, tended to occur earlier in the course of therapy during dose escalation and tended to dissipate with time. And I think a very important proxy for tolerability is a proportion of patients who discontinue the medication and relatively few in either arm discontinued semaglutide due to GI side effects. In fact, it was 2.7% with the one milligram 
and 3.3% with the two milligram dose. And I would say lastly, with respect to the results, a very low incidence in both arms of clinically significant hypoglycemia. So level two or severe hypoglycemia and almost exclusively this occurred if it did occur in patients who were treated with sulfonylureas, which I think makes a very important clinical point that when you add a very powerful drug to a drug like a sulfonylurea or insulin, which was not used in this study, um, we may increase the risk of sulfonylurea-induced or insulin-induced hypoglycemia. So it's important to consider reducing the dose. But again, the incidence was relatively low in both arms, and again, really not seen as would be expected in the patients who were only treated with metformin and semaglutide. And there were no unexpected safety or tolerability findings with the two milligram versus the one milligram dose. So I think our, our overall conclusions in looking at these data is that the two milligram dose was superior with respect to hemoglobin A1C lowering, achieving hemoglobin A1C targets, to body weight lowering and achieving clinically relevant body weight targets with comparable safety and tolerability, which I think is, is a critically important sort of aspect of this as well. So was there anything in these results that particularly surprised you? Yeah, I think probably for me, the most surprising um, finding was the fact that it was so well tolerated when the patients, so they, they dose escalated during the 12-week escalation period by you know, 0.25 for four weeks, then 0.5 for, for four weeks, and then one for four weeks. And then when they went to the two milligram dose, it was just straight from one to two milligrams. So there were no intervals for dose escalation to two milligrams. And despite that, um, really, the tolerability findings, if we look across the board and look at the individual GI side effects, very, very comparable between the two arms. So I think it was, it was very nicely tolerated. But I do think the, the efficacy findings, uh, quite frankly, were, were as expected. Um, and I even think the fact that the, the weight had not plateaued at 40 weeks was expected um, as well, but clearly the, the primary endpoint of this study was hemoglobin A1C. So that was probably my most, you know, that I was most pleasantly surprised about was how well tolerated the two milligram dose was. Now that the two milligram dose has been approved by the FDA, and it's also been recommended for approval in Europe by the CHMP, where do you see it fitting in the type 2 diabetes treatment paradigm? Are the particular groups of patients you think might benefit from this higher dose rather than being offered additional agents? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think anyone who is already on semaglutide and has reached the previous maximal dose of one milligram and is not achieving their therapeutic targets is a candidate, unless there's some other contraindication, which there shouldn't be, to having the, the dose escalated. So for me, I would say the vast majority of patients who are already on the medication, not achieving their glycemic target, would be a patient that I would much rather escalate the dose of, of semaglutide rather than initiate a, a new therapy. I mean, initiating a new therapy um, is, is more complex. It adds another therapeutic agent to the patient's regimen. So I think my first attempt here would be 
to increase the dose to see if we could improve both the A1C and the body weight if necessary. And then if needed, after some time, add another agent. And conversely, is there anyone who's unlikely to benefit or even who prescribers should avoid offering this to? Yeah, so with, with respect to patients avoiding, since, since most of these patients will work their way up, or I should say all of them, to the 0.5 and then the one milligram dose, I don't see anyone, if they're already on one milligram, I don't see that there would be a contraindication to increasing the dose. So I think you know, if there was a contraindication to semaglutide, I think it just should be stopped. Um, so anyone who's already on the one milligram dose, who's not achieving their targets, I think it's a, it's a very attractive alternative. And I don't see really any clinical situation in which I would not attempt to increase the, the dose to the two milligram dose, understanding that even though tolerability was excellent as we saw in the study. There may be an individual patient that has an issue with tolerability that we need to de-escalate the dose, for example. There may be patients that don't have the response that we want to see. But again, that's, that's why we need to individualize care for these patients. But I think um, almost every patient that is on one milligram and I need additional glycemic control and or body weight control, I would consider escalating the dose to a two milligram dose. It really, you know, does not complicate the regimen any, and I can always then, if necessary, de-escalate, and if necessary, add another agent to the therapeutic regimen. And finally, what's your take-home message here? Yes, that I, that I think we need to be considering clearly not just glycemic control, but also the extra glycemic effects of medication. So the effects clearly on glucose are, are critically important, but also effects on body weight, effects on cardiovascular risk factors. And with a medication like semaglutide, also the effect on cardiovascular risk reduction that's been seen as well. So I think we need to individualize therapy, and I think we're in a very good place today where we have agents that can not only treat the glucose, but also do so in a manner that does not increase the risk of hypoglycemia, that does not increase body weight, and in fact reduces body weight, and addresses many of the other sort of cardiorenal issues in patients with um, this disease, with type 2 diabetes. This brings us to the end of today's time. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to claim CME credits for listening, go to diabetes.knowledgeandpractice.com to complete an assessment. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast to stay up to date and leave us a review or rating to help other people find us. See you next time.